this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week we have let our Patreon subscribers speak and they have spoken loudly. They told us, Jay, what they wanted us to review a May 1997 release. We had them pick from one of four options and they made a choice, Jay. I don't know if it's a choice that you and I would have made, but they made it. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I put it up there as one of the options. So I guess I, you know, indirectly made a choice. Uh, And that choice is we're going to review the Batman and Robin soundtrack from 1997, which when we started this podcast, I'm not sure that would have been one of our picks in the first 10,000 episodes to do. But you know, Jay, we uh, we diverge often from what we think we're gonna do. Just so people know out there, the other op- the other options besides Batman and Robin, Batman and Robin got fifty percent of the vote. Wow. Sammy Hagar's "Marching to Mars" got twenty five percent of the vote. Feeder's "Polythene" came in with seventeen percent of the vote, and then coming up the rear, Meredith Brooks' "Blurring the Edge" got eight percent of the vote. So what 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 do you have picked? I would I would have liked to I don't think I've ever heard uh the feeder album at all. I don't know any songs off of that. I obviously know Bitch from Meredith Brooks. That was a huge single. Yep. And then the Sammy Hagar album, is it Little White Lies? Is that the single from that record? Yep. So that's the only thing I know. So I mean, I don't know anything basically off of those records. So I would have been happy with any of them. I thought Sammy Hagar was gonna win. Um I think he started out in the lead, and then the Batman and Robin soundtrack uh, won it. And we have some we have some comments from our listeners on that. If you had a pick, Jay, what would have you picked? I would have went with Feeder. Okay. I'm, I'm um, I don't know what record I I had, but I had a record that I spent a good deal of time with at some point. So I think that would have been a fun band to go back and check out. So that would have been my pick. Just so you know, Crawford Blair said when voting. Anything but feeder, please. He called them British indie landfill rock. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> so apparently their CDs got discarded pretty quickly. Um, but we did have some folks who were who were you know happy to chime in on the Batman soundtrack. They uh, Tara McCook said, "Oh, Batman! Both this movie and the soundtrack were so deliberately bizarre and aggressively quirky. I think the soundtrack actually complements the world building in the movie well." That's not to say either is good quality, but it's well executed. It's a well executed soundtrack for what the movie was. There's a lot to examine from a criticism perspective. I don't remember the movie. I'm feeling like I needed to go back and watch the movie because I don't remember a whole hell of a lot about this uh, this Batman movie. Do you? I was out of the Batman business by this point. Uh, right. So, the, so there's the, the Batman is George Clooney. Okay. Robin is Chris O'Donnell. Right. Batgirl is Alicia Silverstone. Oh, it's that one. Holy smokes. Poison Ivy is Uma Thurman. Oh. And 
I guess Mr. Freeze, is that the character that Arnold plays, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Wow. That one was terrible. Uh, at least, yeah. At least that was my memory at the time. Wow, okay. I mean, it it, it did make it, money. In, it was uh, Joel Schumacher, right? Yeah, that was a Schumacher a pr- a production. So the soundtrack, in, in the same way that the Batman Forever soundtrack had a mix of really popular artists at the time... Uh, Batman Forever, which was from 95, two years earlier, that was a Val Kilmer Batman. You had, you know, on that soundtrack, uh, who was it? U2 did the Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. PJ Harvey was on that. Seals Kiss from a Rose. I mean, you had two, that's, those are two big singles. Nick Cave is on that. Sunny Day Real Estate, The Flaming Lips, Mazzy Star. So, I mean, that was a big bunch of bands. Big group of bands that were on that one. Some other comments from our Patreon folks. Brandon Trammell, Batman soundtrack is warts and all time capsule. Seems like a perfect fit for the show. Steven says, I missed the poll, but I would I would have voted for the Batman soundtrack. Love those Smashing Pumpkins tracks. Keith said, I'm going with the Batman soundtrack as well. Just to hear you guys try to navigate its choppy waters. <laughs> Thanks. I was gonna say I feel like we're getting trolled with this pick. <laughs> but we did have a dissenter. Patrick Testa said I had just barely above zero interest in the Marching to Mars album when it came out, but out of these options, it looks like the Red Rocker gets my vote. Read Sammy's book if you are doing this one, as the story of befriending Mickey Hart is interesting. Have you read his book? Sammy's book, no. Red. Oh, you know what? I have it. Uh, I started to read it and was bored to tears. It takes so long just to get to the Van Halen stuff that I lost interest. <laughs> um, also need to thank uh, Rishi. Uh, we need to thank Darren also for chiming in. And then we also need to thank our new subscriber at the 250 level, Mr. John Davidson. Thank you for joining us. It was a while ago that John uh, joined us, but we've actually uh, been – we pulled some trickery. We were off – our schedule in terms of recording for a while, Jay was on a nice vacation. And so we didn't record for a while while that uh, new subscription came in. We actually bunched up a bunch of recordings prior to the vacation. So it sounded like we were on schedule every week because we just, you know, pump these out every week uh, on schedule as we're supposed to, as we are required to by law. So John got that in uh, just before, just after we had recorded those episodes. So that's what, that's what the uh, gap was from. So welcome, John. Thanks for joining us at the 250 level. And in, I guess it'll be uh, end of April, beginning of May 2018, you'll be uh, picking your 12-month reward for joining us at Patreon, where everybody else can go. We have a few, Jay, just a few of those are left. I think we've got, well, we have unlimited number of $1 uh, donors uh, can join us. But as far as at the 250 level... Uh, we only have six more left. We have 21 of 27 have been selected. Wow. So, and once those are gone, all of our, our ability to do the instant um, request reviews will be gone from our digmeoutpodcast.com page because that will eat up all of our open request to review spots. Yep. So make sure to hit uh, patreon.com forward slash digmeout. Jay, let's talk about this. So we're going to try something a little bit different. Usually we do, uh, you know, what we liked, what we didn't like. Since this is a soundtrack and it's full of all different artists, we've done soundtracks in the past, obviously. 
we want to try to do shake it up a little bit. So what we're going to do is we're going to go track by track, one song or is one song by one song, you know, one after the other, and we're going to choose uh, one word to describe what we think about that song. And if we want to elaborate a little bit, why we're using <laughs> yeah. that word, uh, uh, that's what fine. Was it? Uh, Mark Twain said, if I had more time, I would have wrote a shorter letter. <laughs> I feel that true. way right now. Okay. So well, let's give it a spin. Let's give it a spin, Jay. The first one in the shoot is the Smashing Pumpkins. The end is the beginning is the end. I'm going to start with you and then I'll flip flop each time we go. Jay, give me one word to, to uh, describe this song. Ambitious. Why do you say that? Um, this, uh, this feels like the transition for the band. Um, where it's still rooted in a riff, but they're layering in a lot of extra stuff. The drums are very, very busy. A um, lot of layered vocals, um, a lot of additional organ and keyboard sounds. It's kind of uh, everything they did in the 90s all throw, thrown into one big soup. I, I think that's a great... My word was preview, because a year later a door comes out, and this is basically what the Smashing Pumpkins became, which is this <laughs> industrial, you know, uh, pulsing, metallic-sounding band based around a, a, a much darker and uh, less poppy sound. So uh, this this was the gateway. This, and then there was also the song on uh, the Lost Highway soundtrack, which I think is called I. I think it came out around the same time as well. It also has a similar vibe to this track. So let's go on to the second track. We're talking about Bone Thugs in Harmony, Look Into My Eyes. Now, I'm already going to break the, the thing here. I'm, I'm going to use a, a person's name to describe this song. That person's name is Bill Withers. And the reason why I say that is the, the chorus of this song. Sound, you know who Bill Withers is, Jay? The sound, name sounds familiar. Ain't No Sunshine. Okay. You know that song? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Use Me. And that's, he's, he was a soul singer from 60s, 70s. The hook of this song sounds like a Bill Withers song, and it's not a Bill Withers song. It's not a sample of his stuff. It's, mm. it's like their composition. And I was really kind of taken aback about how cool the rest of the song, the, court, the verses of the song sound like Bone Thugs in Harmony, which I'm familiar with because I'm from Ohio and you couldn't escape uh, Bone Thugs in Harmony in the 1990s if you lived in Ohio. But the chorus is really cool in that it has a very like classic kind of soul vibe that I dug. My two words, one name, my cheat already. Jay, one word. Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I, I. I'm not qualified to. I don't think evaluate anything beyond in this song. I felt like okay, yeah, this is what I remember this. What these guys sounding like? I, I, the other thing was it did def, definitely make me think. What the hell happened to this group? Like they were kind of like innovative and seemed to be what the future of hip hop was supposed to sound like. And I don't, not only did that not happen, but 
they kind of disappeared. Yeah, I don't know. They had two huge albums. They put out this is actually a song off their second album, which I believe is called The Art of War, and it came out. It was the follow-up to their debut and it or the, at least their the album that everybody knows, East 99th Eternal. This was a single off of that album, and I think there were like three or four huge singles off of that record, but I don't remember anything after that. Um so I might have to go back and investigate. Jay, let's talk about track 3. R. Kelly's theme track that's connected to the movie. There's a few of those. Gotham City. One word on Gotham City, Jay. Uh, corny. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to ask you to elaborate because I, I pretty much can. I know what you're going to say. Well, don't I just in general, don't ever write a song about a name from the movie. Like that just never works. No, like there's nowhere to go with that. You're just making uh, it happens again on this record. We'll talk about it soon, but it gives you nowhere to go. And whatever it is you say comes off as disingenuous and just kind of silly. So, so my one word is Indianapolis. And here's why I feel like this is, this song sounds like if you just took the chorus, it could be like a local news channel, like doing a, like a, a bumper. (laughs) And if you replaced (laughs) Gotham city with like, Indianapolis. Oh yeah. <laughs> exactly. It just sounds like he wrote a song about a city. Like this could have been about Chicago where he's from yeah. and they just took Chicago out and you could place any city's name where Gotham city appears. Yeah. I mean, it is so bad. It is, it is just awful. It's an awful yeah. song. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> a city of justice. Yeah, a city of love. A city of peace. Every one of us Cause we all need a change Can't live without it Gotham City Track four Arcana House Mm. on Fire I'm gonna go first I'm gonna use another person's name, Jay That I'm Perry Farrell now, why am I saying Perry Farrell in relation to this track? This, to me, sounds like a Porno for Pyro's B-side. Huh. Okay. Which, which is not a bad thing. I liked Porno for Pyro's. I liked the first record. Second, this, or parts of the first record. And then I liked the second record about as equal as much. But this sounded like a remix that would have appeared on like a Porno for Pyro's B-side or single or something like that. Yeah, I, I can hear this, that. I don't know who the singer is, but there were times where they're very Perry Farrell-esque in the vocal. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that of it that that way, but it makes sense. Um, what's my one word? Intriguing. Mm-hmm. I guess when the song starts, uh, I had a bit of an eye roll in 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 that. I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go. Ninety-seven. You know, insert electronica song. But then the vocal comes in, and it's not at all what I expected. So um, I was intrigued mostly to see where where this goes. Um, for the most part, I think it's a cool mashup of two different sounds. You know, the vocals kind of a, yeah, peripheral. I could hear it. Also, just sounds like kind of a, I don't know, just like a indie rock, indie pop rock kind of voice, but over top of the, you know, electronic kind of mixed mixed up beats and stuff. It, it it's a cool combination. Um, the song doesn't go anywhere though. That's my only yeah complaint is I'm I'm intrigued seeing okay where does it go and wanting a killer chorus or some kind of really amazing build or something and it just never really manifests anywhere else so 
Track five, Jay, R.E.M.'s Revolution. Give me one word on that. Uh, fuzzy. <laughs> Why you say that? Uh, I love the guitar tones on this 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 song. They're kind of a they're not overly like overdriven, but they're just a cool, warm fuzz that mm-hmm. combined with the, just the general energy of the song creates a, a really good bed. Uh, I think um, the vocals, though, I mean, he, Michael Stipe just sounds half asleep. Like, <laughs> I don't know if that was kind of the, the concept, but it didn't pull the execution did not come through because I don't know. The band sounds pretty, pretty energetic and almost not, you know, the band sounds like on fire and he's just kind of, I don't know. It doesn't really sound that interesting in being there. So, right now I'll say, uh, my, my word for this one is, um, rocker and mm-hmm. question mark because, this album, this this song comes out in between for REM, New Adventures in Hi-Fi and Up, and that's the time when Bill Berry, the drummer, left the band. Up was their first album without him, so I don't know who if he actually played on this song, um, or if uh, whoever played on Up uh, plays the drums. Well, I guess it was Joey Wanaker that played on Up for um, for REM, and then so what's weird is that this doesn't sound like anything off of those two records. Like this sounds like maybe it was a leftover from monster that Mm. they had, but then the lyrics are like very political in part of the song, which makes me think that maybe the music was from monster, but they, he finished off the lyrics for the song, uh, you know, when they were doing it for the soundtrack or I don't know what the story is behind it because it's, it's such an oddball compared to everything that was going on in the year before and after for REM that I kind of like to like learn a little bit more about the history of that. But, but yeah, it's, it's an, uh, it's a good tune, but you're right about Stipe's delivery. I mean, it's, I don't think of him as being the best, uh, um, up-tempo, uh, vocalist, you know, mid-tempo is sort of his like prime spot. Yeah. Well, and I think he's, I get, I would assume the concept here is he's trying to deliver some sarcasm with right. the revolution lyric, but you know, the Beatles kind of did that <laughs> pretty goddamn well. So, and they did it with some, you, you know, you do it with a, a little bit of a sneer kind of, there's gotta be a little bit of an attitude or a snark to your way you mm-hmm. deliver it. And he just sounds like he was forced to go in and put some vocals on a song that wasn't fully, fully thought through. Let's go to track six, J foolish games by jewel. Now this was a, a single outside of the soundtrack. I think it was the second single after you were meant for me off of her first record. Uh, my word for this is um, overwrought. Uh, uh, I kind of felt like I didn't, maybe I wasn't familiar with the song as I thought I was, but I really like you were meant for me. It's a very, I say honest vocal delivery. Whereas I feel like, this one she's sort of belting it out a little bit more and um it feels a little melodramatic to me in spots and i just i did not connect with it uh what was your word for this song i'll just say underrated i guess um this was a i hadn't thought about this song since this whenever 1997 i guess so Mm -hmm. when it came on i was like oh this sounds familiar i ended up liking it a lot more than i did at the time (laughs) okay um 
I thought the production is just a notch below melodramatic. I know where you're coming from, especially with her vocal. I mean, she, her delivery, she can be a little over the top sometimes with like the whimpering and the right, the the little extra, you know, mm-hmm. things here and there. But um, I thought they did a good job of. They could have very easily taken this up to the, you know, huge Celine Dion you know, ballad kind of feel. And they, I felt like they pulled it back just enough. So it didn't quite cross that line, but still, you know, gave you the drama that you're looking for. So yeah, I mean, this, this stood out for me as being, um, Hey, that that wasn't such a terrible song. (laughs) Okay. In in hindsight, I just remember at the time, like just groaning every time this would come on the radio. And now when I heard it, I was like, Oh, maybe that wasn't so bad. You might've been burned out at that point because you were meant for me with such a huge, yeah. Single. Um, let's go to track seven then. Goo Goo Dolls, Lazy Eye. What's your word on this? Demo. <laughs> uh, boy, the, I, I couldn't, I can't imagine writing a lazier chorus than this, what's in this song. I dig the sounds they start the song with and then they come back here and there. There's like this slide, I think guitar with heavy delay on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish it was used more. Like I think it could, it, I think it could have been a cool, like way to add some counter to the simplicity of the riff on uh, the verse and particularly in the chorus. I mean, it could have took a chorus, which is like I said, fairly, rudimentary not very interesting and kind of pushed it maybe into some places that at least gave it some texture and interest so Mm -hmm. it just sounds underdeveloped it it sounds like maybe it's like the early prototype for a song like slide yeah my word was generic uh with an extra g for the goo um yeah it sounds like a song that they wrote for a boy named girl a boy named goo that got left off like it just didn't make the cut and then they used mm-hmm. it for this. Um, it's definitely not, and it's not as poppy as anything on Dizzy Up the Girl, which has, you know, plenty of pop singles. And they're, the thing is that the guitars are a little toned down on that record. So this, I could see how this song wouldn't fit on either of those records. And it falls right, right well, in between chronologically. Yeah, but it has that, like... Um... That ding 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 like that kind of slide rhythm that you hear on that record, but yeah, at this point they haven't figured out what to do with the guitars in that context yet. So it's still like this fuzzy riff from the previous sound of the band, and and they would get replaced by acoustics. Basically, yeah, like that's what I'm saying. It sounds like a prototype of, huh? This is where we've been, but we want to kind of go in this new direction. It's more, you know, danceable and accessible but how do we do this and this sounds like a middle point of them trying to figure that out with a with a chorus that's just kind of like thrown in all right so for track eight read by lauren christie my word is brood 
as in um this is a bit this is a brooding track uh it has that like thing where they do the um it's acoustic like in one channel and then like a dirty like guitar but it's not distorted in the other one and the it's just it sounds very 90s to me in in terms yeah. of the production and just and the her delivery and the and the like the first stuff out of her mouth stuff about soul and I, it just like it immediately pinned it into the 90s i actually did a little research and she's actually she so she put out two records in the 90s uh as a solo artist and then she became part of what is known as the matrix which is a production and songwriting team based out of the uk that wrote for like a billion artists who have made tons of money like who's on the list here that i'm trying to remember christina aguilera britney spears hillary duff rihanna uh chris brown ricky martin iggy azalea just that team, The Matrix, is like pumping out hits. Hmm. Avril Lavigne, they wrote Skater Boy and Complicated, which, by the way, that Avril, Avril Lavigne debut album, 20 million copies. Holy smokes. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, yeah, I was, um, it was brooding, but it was not uh, my cup of tea. Jay, what about Breed for you? overproduced yeah yeah it's like again it's like everything that was going on in the 90s all thrown into one song i found that i, I usually uh, you know I, I i can be um a fan of this style of production but in this case i just found it distracting like mm-hmm. there's just it's too separated there's too much going on i couldn't focus on what what the song was supposed to be about and you know, the, the core of it seemed generic and it seemed to be a lot of window dressing to try to take a generic song and make it compelling. So track nine, Jay, the bug soul coughing. What was your uh, take on this one in a word? Maybe timeless in a weird way. Like, uh, I think musically this, it, it's like, uh, we, we've reviewed this band, but I think this is mm-hmm. a pretty good representation of their sound. Uh, it's almost like an, a, a traditional band with stand up bass playing, electronic music with a reggae style kind of chorus <laughs> and the way the whole thing came together i'm like i could kind of hear this now like working now i could hear it working then like it um it held up pretty damn well and i think mostly because the production is pretty pretty honest and um i think the band is unique and i think that still comes through so I, I, I dug it. I think I probably like this more than some of the material on the record that we reviewed. Yeah, I don't think you liked Ruby Vroom when we record when we reviewed it a couple years ago. So that's surprising for me to hear. My one word is energy. Um, this has a great bounce to it, and and 
energy to the to the rhythm. It's definitely in terms of soul coughing songs less hooky than some of the stuff on Irresistible Bliss and final album El Oso, or at least it is to my ears, but it's a cool track. Um, he's doing a, I don't know what's, what notes they're, he's singing, but they sound like the scale that he's singing in has like a very like, I don't know, Eastern sound to it, which sounds cool against the um, ascending and descending bass lines and the rhythm. So um, it's a cool track and uh, it sort of sticks out <laughs> amongst most of the other stuff on the record but um there's a few uh songs that uh, stick out throughout the whole thing as kind of being one off so it's not surprising track 10 i i guess it's molico is how you'd say it uh fun for me my one word for this is foe and uh, foe being f a u x as in this is like kind of um the vocals are like very faux soul. Uh, and it's almost a precursor to what you would hear with like Amy Winehouse mm-hmm. and um, some of the stuff that happened in the, in the two thousands with that, like, I don't know, that weird, like soul revival thing well, that happened. Great. Like Macy Gray. It comes right after this, right? Yeah. Pretty Macy Gray, even up to time. Adele. I mean, Adele was kind of doing that yeah. on some stuff and it's got good energy. And it's, I guess, an interesting track, but it's not something that I would want to listen to repeatedly. It's something that I would skip um, probably going forward. What's your one word? <laughs> um, it's got a really loud synth bass line that kind of sounds like that. <laughs> like, um, it's like a farty sounding... You know what I'm talking about? Like buzzy synth uh-huh. bass. It's just all, I mean, you just can't, it's like you're trying to listen to the song. You just can't get past it. Like I couldn't stall over. Um, and I'm with you. The vocals are just generic, like trying to do soul and it's drowning in a lot of bad nineties production. Um, Jay, before we jump to the next track, which is track 11, Poison Ivy, the cover by Michelle Indegicello, I think is how you say it. I do want to mention that this is a cover um, by Lieber and Stoller. It was originally a hit by the Coasters in 1959. It has since been covered by, listen to this list of bands that have covered this song. The Dave Clark Five, The Rolling Stones, The Hollies, The Kingsmen, Manfred Mann, Redbone, The Romantics, Linda McCartney, Ian Gillian, Hanson, Low Straight Jackets, and up to including uh, Bleached, which is a current band. And that's just the bands that people would probably know. I think that even like the Herdsman and Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters have covered this song. So pretty much everybody has at some point covered this song. It's a classic, I guess. And it makes sense based on the title of the song that they w- it would be covered for this. Because so, uh, the, the villain in the movie is Poison Ivy. The, the lyrics were slightly altered to help fit the, the movie. So it's not an original song for the soundtrack. Just put that out there before we review it. Jay, what'd you think? One word. I don't know. Ter- terrible. Uh, <laughs> Manhattan transfer. It sounds like, like bad new jazz. Um, mm-hmm. What the funny thing is, is I'm going back and listening to the original 
by the coasters. And it has a feel like that song she did with uh, John Mellencamp. Oh, Wild Night? Yeah, it has that kind of like... Remember that that had a kind of a very stripped down, almost, um, you know, fairly simple. I mean, yeah. they were doing a Van Morrison song. It it kind of has that. The original has that feel, and the in the chorus has actually got a, you know, kind of a hooky melody. It's the whole point, and she chops it up with all of this break beats and mix, like extra vocals, and it's just a mess. I it's just you know, in general, just a kind of a mishmash of bad vocal jazz, vocal jazz trappings and modern production. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind it's pretty lame. It's, it's, if I wish that she had done it, you know, in a way that was closer to the coasters. Cause it's, it's just kind of a mess of like disparate sounds and really generic production. That sounds like it came from, some awful nineties keyboard presets. I mean, it's just yeah. my, my, my word would be contemporary as in like adult contemporary. Cause it's, um, it's pretty lame. And then the next track would be track 12 true to myself by Eric Benet, which my, uh, word for this was Prince in the sense that this was apparently they were trying to get Prince onto the soundtrack, but they couldn't actually get him. So Eric Benet sort of does like a, generic Prince song what it it sounds like and it's okay I don't know what it has to do to if this was a a musical and (laughs) Batman saying I had to be true to myself and and a Robin did or something like that maybe it would make more sense but I don't know what this has to do with the movie and I mean a lot of these things a lot of these things don't have anything to do with the movie I guess they're just you know there to sell a CD that went along with it but um yeah, it's just, uh, just kind of a lame Prince soul song that d- didn't work for me. You? Funky. I think it's got a cool groove. I love that, the, the bass and drum lockup. I could listen to that all day. Everybody wants to rise above Without a touch of dignity Without a stroke of love Check yourself to live the life you're praying for. Just be true to yourself. Everybody wants to be your friend. If you got a dime to live, you never really oh, matter in the end to them. That's why I'm true to myself, y'all. Just cool sounds. They sound good together. You know, his vocal is, is fine. Really falls down in the chorus, though. I mean, the lyrics just get, you know, eye roll city. Um, right. You know, it gets spiritual and, like, true to myself, y'all. You're just like, oh, what, what, what is going on? So <laughs> he had me through the verse. I was like, oh, this, is kind of, this is pretty cool. I can get on board with this. Yeah, it sounds like Prince, but that's fine. We, I could... I could use a couple more artists that sound like Prince. I, I don't mind there being two or three ACDCs. I could take two or three Princes. <laughs> All right. Um, but uh, yeah, the course is just bad. So it, it loses me there. Track 13 is a Batman overture 
by Elliot Goldenthal. Now, I believe that the... Um, so I think what happened here is that that's part of the score. So there, for all the Batman movies, there, or at least... Well, not all of them, I shouldn't say. So for Batman Forever, there was a soundtrack album, and there was also a score album. And I think that that was that the overture is part of the score for the movie, but they didn't actually release the score as a separate um, album for this movie. At least that's what I'm seeing in the yep. um, Wikipedia page. So, I mean, it sounds like a score from a movie. It's it's fine. My one word would be fine. It's fine. But it's not the best instrumental piece I've ever heard from a movie. Unnecessary. <laughs> Uh, there you go. I, I, I did when it starts because you get that theme that dun, 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 dun. Yeah. you're like, okay, this feels like Batman. Cool. Where's this going to go? And then it just turns into like the soundtrack for the movie. Like the, there's a lot of sound effects and it doesn't build anywhere. There's not a return to the theme. It, it's just, why is this on? after the first minute? You're like, why is this on here? Right. Who would listen to this? <laughs> like, yeah. Who would want to listen to the full, uh, whatever it is, but uh, three, three and a half minutes of this? Well, I, clearly it didn't need three minutes because they didn't even need to bother to put the whole score out on a soundtrack. So for people to listen to. Um, and, and and I am a fan of certain soundtracks. Like I think that, for example, like the Mad Max Fury Road soundtrack is fantastic. And it stands up as a piece of music or pieces of music on it on their own, uh, separate sure. from the movie. Track 14. Moner by Underworld. Jay, I know that you love this track. Tell me about your word. <laughs> Edit. Oh, I thought <laughs> you were going to go with Groner. I thought your word would be Groner. Okay. No. Right. I, again, like, who who needs to listen to eight minutes of this? Uh, at the four-minute mark, it gets interesting. A vocal comes in, and it's a bit unexpected, and right. it's got some attitude, and something that's apparently something to say but everything before and after that i don't get it's just i don't know to me what i view as the stereotypical sort of electronic thing where it's 30 seconds of one instrument 30 seconds of another instrument on top of that 30 seconds of changing the second instrument 30 seconds of a third instrument 30 seconds of a fourth instrument (laughs) and eight minutes later you have a song and then it ends see now the problem for me and the word i'll i'll use is um loner groaner boner uh the the problem with this is that it's 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 underworld who a year before this had a single on the train spotting soundtrack called born slippy and that was a huge single like that is up there with one probably the top five i guess you'd say um techno or dance singles of the 90s like everybody who you know saw train spotting or heard that soundtrack knows that song and that i mean that was a cultural along with like the chem that that song underworld isn't as well known as a individual art group but that's up there with like the chemical brothers and and prodigy as far as being influential in electronic music in the 90s whereas and when i heard his vocal come in i was like oh this is like this is basically the B side to Born Slippy. Like this is not nearly as interesting as that song. Born Slippy has a a, a, a really big ebb and flow to that song, and there's a lot of build in that song. Mm-hmm. And 
more attitude. Just I just was really let down. And it's 10 minutes long. And it doesn't need to be. It could be like four minutes and it, we get the point. So let's wrap up with track 15. The beginning is the end is the beginning by the Smashing Pumpkins. I got to say, I actually, well, I'll say my word is preferred. As in, I prefer the slower version of this song to the first track. I think they're both good, but I think it works well with the strings and the darkness, the song being slower. It has a creepier vibe that kind of, again, this is a transition song into a door, but it just kind of works better for me. Um, I like the, and I like that they did the Neil Young, hey, hey, my, 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 hey, hey kind of thing with uh, two different versions of the same song on the on the same album. So what's your word and thoughts on that final track, Jay? Agree. Uh, I think this is a superior version of the, of the song. I think the vocal uh, actually gets space to be the focus of the, mm-hmm. the focus. I think in the first version, it gets lost, especially the chorus. Like you don't even can barely even tell what's going on in the chorus of the first version. And this one, it really soars. Like right. it has the ability to elevate the, the song has movement. Like even though it's slower, like you still feel the, the changes and, you know, it, it takes you somewhere. Um, whereas the first one is kind of by the end of that, I just want to take those hi hat sounds that are going on and just like <laughs> muffle them. I'm just like exhausted from listening to the, to the drums in the first song, uh, first version of the song. And this one, I'm, I'm along for the ride. I I like the darkness. Um, And it just sounds more focused. Like this is where he wants to be with the band right now. Mm -hmm. You know, playing with these kinds of sounds, making this kind of music. It sounds like he's committing to it. It, The material works with this kind of presentation. Um, I think the first one sounds like uh, just a little less, uh, less focused and more trying to like, I don't know, do too much, I guess. Yeah. Jay, we made it through. Got the whole soundtrack done. Good work. <laughs> Not sure that one warrants it a track by track, but I guess it makes sense since there's different artists. It would be uh, probably be leaving a couple of them off. Wait till we get to the Spawn soundtrack. Oh, and then, uh, then we'll really have some, some stuff to talk about. No, uh, th- that was fun. And uh, thanks to our Patreon voters for making that our choice for our May 1997 20th anniversary revisit. Uh, we'll have another vote going up for a coming month soon. And if you want to join us at Patreon, you can do so. I don't know that we need to break this down into album, EP, or single, Jay. I mean, I think we're both at a, about an EP. Is that That's probably fair to say? Yes, I have, um, I think, six of the 14. Yeah, I think I'm probably right around there with you. But I would encourage, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I would encourage news, uh, local news outlets all around the country to take the chorus <laughs> of that R. Kelly song and apply your city's name to the chorus. I can hear it all over. Cedar Rapids, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to I'm gonna uh, uh. overlay my voice like 50 times with different cities. And that's going to be our Patreon bonus content of me singing over Gotham City. All the cities I can find that have uh, appropriate. Is there a video for it? Oh, yes, there is. Lots of shots of him with his arm raised above his head, 
uh, in a city with a sh- with a camera sh- down below, so he's in a Christ like figure, you know, position, uh, singing <laughs> to the city and soaring with his shirt soaring buttoned and blowing yeah. in the in the wind. Exactly, and then you know, there's a playground at the end, so the kids can repeat the chorus and. Oh shit! <sighs> yeah, let's remind everybody that they can go to iTunes and leave us some positive feedback on this episode if they enjoyed it. And uh, that's about it. So we're going to wrap up and say, uh, for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber. Or request a review at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com.